I met my best friend Anne in 1985. And the Babysitter's Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988. And she said, Thanks, Aunt Esme. These books are great. Now we're all grown up and we're living our dreams. As a writer and a scholar and an expert on teens. And we're gonna start again from the very first book because we're stuck. Stuck in Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing book 73, Marianne and Miss Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Silence. Tough. I just, I forgot what the name was until you said it. And I was like, the name matches. Name matches. Tell, tell us how the name matches, Emily. It sucks. Yeah. The name sucks it's a, as well it's as the a book. Bad name. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah. It was, was not great. It was not. I did not enjoy reading it. It's a pretty color. It's a nice color, the book. Mm, nice lavender. Yes, that came across really well in the Kindle version. Well, so, yeah. is lavender a new color? No. Lavender shows up in Christie's uh, big, big Day. Starts it off. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it is more rare. There's not as many lavender books as you would think. There should. It leans pink and peach. Is, is Marianne versus about. Logan lavender? No, I don't think that was good. Marianne versus? Mm, I'm not wearing my glasses, but I'm just looking. No, at- it's more, it's like a grayish periwinkle. Okay, it's that's not, different okay. than yeah. this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is but interesting. It, yeah, this is, the most, this is the most interesting part of the book. I think so. <laughs> Ouch. Okay, well, why don't we get into our one-sentence summaries? Great. You want to lead us off? Me? My one-sentence summary is the adults suck in this book. Right? More than usual, for sure. More than usual. Yeah, that's a great point. Mine is Jenny Prezioso goes through lots of phases, and this book is dull. That was my one-sentence summary. (laughs) Mine is, why are the kids in Stony Brook so obsessed with being famous? (laughs) It's a question. I feel like those are our least inspired one sentence summaries ever. In a long time. In a, In a long, long time. time. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. I don't usually include like a subjective review of the book in my one sentence summary, but mm-hmm. I couldn't bring myself to write about the Pikes kickball team. So I just ended it with this book is dull. <sighs> kickball I also I think they could have handled that so differently like the triplets wanting to become more independent could have been interesting mm-hmm. why did they roll mm-hmm. it into this mm-hmm. Ugh, you know what I'm getting ahead of myself you guys we should probably back up <laughs> nice <laughs> and tell you about the members of the podcast tight I'm Emily Crandall a feminist scholar I'm a total individual and I like health food <laughs> I- wait <laughs> it's fine it's fine I'm also Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual and I like health food. Whoopsies. I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. And I'm Anna Chikala, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. And if you want to learn more about us and help me know each other, check out our prologue episode. Also, rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC related, drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. 
You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. And we have new patrons to thank. A pizza toast to you, Hannah and Carrie Quake. Yay. Wow. Thank toast. you, Hannah. Thank okay. You. So while I said Carrie's name, I noticed Esme went in and removed an R. Yeah. I, it was just a typo, E and R next to each other on the thing. So it said Quaker, but spelled wrong, but it's actually Quake. Because I did yeah. briefly glance at it before I read mm, it sorry. to make sure. And I was in my head, I was like, is it Quacker? Is it Quaker? No. Yeah. But it's just Quake. It's just Quake. So it's just quake. Quake. a more normal name. Okay. I mean, I don't know if it's a normal name. It's a cool name, but it's a more normal word. Yeah. I, I love that our first recording. Recording after the new year, well, it's just like filled, riddled with typos. Well, you know, if anybody else wants to create the outline, they can. Absolutely <laughs> and not. And then no. it won't have Emily's name twice in our introductions and mine. I not really at all. wanted Anne to say she was also Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. Yeah, I almost did. <laughs> Missed almost opportunity. Did. <laughs> um. Ah, excellent. Well, Hannah, also one of our new patrons, did a cool thing, which is that Hannah paid for the whole year at once. So that's also an option now on Patreon. You get a discount if you do that. So our lowest tier is $3 a month. But if you pay for it all at once, it's like $34 for the year or something like that instead of $36. So you save those $2 and get just as much second stream for bonus content. All that good, good. (laughs) All that good, good. Hannah is a smart shopper. Yes. Nice work, Hannah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think our one sentence summaries weren't very good. So why don't we do a little recap? Fine. Basically, Jenny Prezioso, who no one really finds that interesting anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Has yes. her own plot or this, this book revolves around her. Her mom needs a babysitter every day after school. Because indefinitely. It out, indefinitely. Because it turns out she's trying to turn her younger daughter, who's like a baby. I'm not sure how old. Yeah. Andrea is like eight months old or something. Yeah. Yeah. Until like a baby star. And she's taking her to auditions and tryouts every day of the week, which mm-hmm. is absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jenny gets jealous. And then Mm -hmm. she gets, quote unquote, OCD. Yeah. I mean, they never say OCD, but they imply it for sure. Well, they say obsessive. They say obsessive. Mm -hmm. Like Richard Spear literally gives Marianne his like college psychology (laughs) Mm -hmm. textbooks to peruse so she can figure out what's going on with her babysitting charge. Mm -hmm. She's 13. Right. So Jenny has some behavioral... Uh, yeah, and it's like the hand-washing, right? Like, I feel like it's yeah. intimated to the audience. Yeah. Oh, it's totally okay. intimated. Yeah. So it's called Miss Press because she's really into dressing really nice and doesn't want to get anything dirty and wants to be super clean. Yeah. Um, Changes her clothes immediately if she gets a spot, washes her hands, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, and then the B plot... that doesn't work. Well, is, I mean, there's more of the A plot, though. That doesn't I mean, work. Andrea is still right. getting all the attention. And so then Jenny decides she also wants to be a child model and Mrs. Prezioso gets her some auditions but Andrea books the shoots and Jenny doesn't she mispronounces the department store's name so then she like gives up and Marianne starts calling her Miss Mess and she just like looks like Pigpen from Peanuts which is referenced more than once and she's just like covered in dirt all the time and like popsicle and peanut butter jelly (laughs) and like ants and shit it's like utterly unbelievable. Yeah. And like, what was it? Was it the ice cream truck guy? Is that mm-hmm. who it was? Who was like, what mm-hmm. happened to you? Yeah. He's like concerned. He's about to call CPS. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, that happens. And then she books one job and she realizes that it's fucking boring and it's not appropriate for either babies or four-year-olds to be mm-hmm. on a shoot all day long. And she decides she'd rather be on the triplets shitty kickball team, which is the B plot. Yeah. And everything's fine. Yep. And then Mallory returns to the club. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. the only part of the book I liked. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah. thank God Mal's back. <laughs> Otherwise, what was the fucking point of this book? Yeah. I'm sorry. It should have just but been it- called Mary Ann and Mallory's back. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I would read that. (laughs) And just spend one page long. Yeah. Well, it is interesting. I feel like we've been tracking like how often and well the B plots match the A plots. And in this one, there is a thread that I think works a little bit, right? And it's about how much should we as 13-year-old babysitters interfere? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So with Jenny, it's like, which I think is hysterical that in book 73, they're like, well, maybe we shouldn't tell the parents what to do because we know from the first like 40 books that that's what they love. <laughs> they but love now, it. They you can't get it. enough and, of it. But now they're like, I don't know if that's appropriate. And then <laughs> the triplets are like trying to assert themselves as not needing babysitters, right? The babysitters mm-hmm. are for babies. We're 10. Mallory's 11. Why does Mallory get to babysit? Mm-hmm. Which also like fair point. Reasonable question, and, boys. And we don't. Yeah. yeah. But... <laughs> But then the babysitters are like, every time they're babysitting, they're pretending not to babysit and like letting the triplets kind of do their own thing. And they just keep saying like, we shouldn't interfere. So it's like, in a way, a book about when should we interfere? That's the like very loose, horrible thread. (laughs) Mary Ann and the question of whether or not to interfere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but it, but it makes Mallory think about like how much work she's actually doing, not mm-hmm. babysitting, and that's what is the catalyst for her to come back. Well, and she basically collects some like OSHA data, like the the yeah. like the babysitters mm-hmm. are like, "Girl, you're be babysitting your own children too much, like your siblings, you're babysitting all the time." And it's back to kind of Mallory on strike, and she's like, "Actually, I am. I'm babysitting my own siblings more than I ever have. So why can't I like go back to archery and the babysitters club?" Mm-hmm. And then she talks her parents and they agree and Dr. Dellenkamp mm-hmm. signs off. So yes, that's the best part of this book is that we're going to get Mallory back in action. Um, Tough. But yeah. So, well, so before I jump, I do have a couple things about OCD and child actors and things like that. But before we jump into that, one of the only episodes we recorded without Anne was our previous worst book in the series, which I'm holding it up for your benefit, which was number 27, Jesse and the Super Brat, when Derek Masters is acting like a dick. Um, terrible book. Terrible. <laughs> Poorly written, plot didn't make sense, also has to do with children working in showbiz. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's just a problem in Stony Brook, a la your, your thing. Different ghostwriter, but my thing. Really terrible. <laughs> your, your one sentence summary. You, you said, like, the, yeah, your thing. Emily's whole thing is, that's my is whole thing, hating yeah. child actors in Stony Brook. <laughs> When people say Emily Crandall, that's what they think yeah. about. It's my personality. Yeah, it's, it's like your, Ross and, it's your Ross swatch and divorces. Watch. Okay. It's your swatch yeah. watch. Or it's my swatch watch. Yeah. You're that guy that gets divorced. It's my swatch watch. No. Yeah. So has Marianne and Miss Pris unseated that? Is this now the worst book we've read so far? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Okay. We have a new winner. Fabulous. Good to know. I assumed that we would get one, but it's been almost 50 books since that last one. It's probably, well, it's been more than 50 with super specials and mysteries. So taking us a long time to get to <sighs> a really God. bad place. Yeah. Wow. I know. I know. Okay. Well, we'll have to create some kind of prize for it on, on Instagram, man. But let us know, people, if you think this 
this is not the worst book in the series so far. We know that there's probably others that we haven't gotten, but people want to contest, but our methods are purely scientific. Mm-hmm. Um, science. Yeah. science. Um, so at first I called Anne when I was two chapters in, I was like, oh, this is no CD book. Should I get like a colleague who's no CD expert the way I have with like the anorexia nervosa book or the autism book? And I was like, I know a lot about OCD. I can probably do it. It's fine. And we haven't recorded in a little while and it'd be kind of a tight turnaround. And then like two chapters later, I was like, oh, this isn't a fucking OCD book. Good thing I didn't book an expert. Like that, that would have been a big waste of somebody's time. Yeah, so, a little embarrassing probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, they. I, but you're absolutely right, Emily, that they do in that first chapter, the first two times or something that Marianne's babysitting, Jenny is displaying a lot of classic symptoms of OCD. And, the, you know, the obsessions and compulsions in OCD vary, but the goal in OCD is to make the, reduce the anxiety, right? So when you have an obsessive thought, it compels you to do something. When you do the thing, it reduces the anxiety, which unfortunately negatively reinforces the action, which makes you want to do it more. And so that's why things like compulsive hand washing are self-reinforcing because while you're doing it, it reduces the anxiety, but then you, it was sort of an imaginary anxiety to begin with, right? It wasn't something right. that was actually threatening you. So then you end up doing it more and more and more. And that certainly is how Jenny is acting in that first book. So I get why Marianne was concerned. And we know that Marianne's been to therapy. Marianne's sort of psychologically minded. So like up through that initial first plot, I was like, okay, I, I wasn't loving sort of the folk theory that, you know, the jealousy from Andrea would bring that on. OCD. Because, yeah, because yeah. that is not what we know about OCD. It is. Right. It's, it's not like, uh, oh, you randomly develop OCD because you're jealous of your sister when you're four. Right. Yeah. You know, it definitely the age of onset is usually between four and eight. So the age is not Whoa, terrible. Really? Yeah, it's it's early. I mean, four is a little on the early side, but most people that go on to develop OCD have symptoms before the age of eight or nine. Wow. So that is fascinating to me. Yeah. It's like a developmental challenge usually. But then because it is, you know, so it's highly genetic. We know it runs in families. We know people's brains are more likely to have the tendency toward that pattern. And there's a lot of overlap with ADHD and with Tourette's. There's sort of like a triad of disorders there that share a lot of the same genetic material. And it wouldn't come from being jealous of your model baby. So I was already a little annoyed. And then I was like, oh, good. We're not. This is this is just being portrayed as a as a preschool acting out and as a sibling challenge. But I also thought it was interesting that they didn't, you know, four-year-olds don't necessarily, like lots of four-year-olds don't talk a lot about their feelings, right? They mm-hmm. they show rather than tell. But they give Jenny a really big vocabulary and a big ability to talk about things in general, but just mm-hmm. not about her emotions. And so that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I thought was really frustrating about this book. And unrealistic is that yeah. the, the, you wouldn't have a kid that's that verbal, but that doesn't ever say, I miss my mommy. I wish she didn't spend every afternoon with Andrea. Right. You know, like she never directly expresses what she's upset about. She says Andrea is perfect and she's made that connection. But like, obviously, it's like she misses her mom. It's not just that Andrea is perfect. And when she takes the turn to miss mess her, Mm -hmm. all of her characterizations of of Andrea are suddenly like dripping with sarcasm. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like, well, Andrea is so perfect. Andrea gets every audition. It's like, you're four. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. What? So she just was like, Jenny Prezioso has never been a particular 
particularly believable four-year-old to me. Because even in this, also, she's, like, so self-possessed talking to all these older kids. Yeah. That, like, again, you can have a four-year-old write that like that, but she would probably have a little bit more self-reflection along with it. So mm-hmm. to be, like, so low insight but so socially competent doesn't usually go Match. together. Yeah. So that was sort of my problem with the whole thing. And also, like, this is a kid for whom cleanliness and looking cute has been highly reinforced. So the idea that she would, I don't know, act like a washed up, you know, ex-sitcom star that doesn't have anything to get dressed for. You know what I mean? Like the degree she to which she dives into Miss Mess with the yeah. like ice cream man asking like what's happening, I thought was really unrealistic. Like I get mm-hmm. like she would say like, oh, I don't care. It doesn't matter. You know, but like how fully dirty like she's she is kind of a prissy kid. And it's not believable to me that she would have those layers of dirt and muck on her and not be a little bothered by it, given how she's raised more generally. So I just yeah. didn't believe anything that was happening with her. She wasn't she was sounding more like six or seven than like four. And it was also just such an extreme swing. Kids are usually not so organized too in their acting out like that she would be all on board with quote unquote Miss Pris and then all on board with Miss Mess instead of like just doing a bunch of different things. Oscillating. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of like randomly throwing shit at the wall and seeing what gets an adult's attention or a 13 year old's attention as right. opposed to like now the calculating I am this person. Yeah. 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 That's like they're not a, that, that interesting. organized. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, like I wouldn't have put that together in that way, but there was something about it that just felt like very off. Right. You're like, this is in not children I've spent times with. Capable of. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I also like it was so extreme, right? Like she's changing all these outfits and doing all this stuff. And then in the mess one, she's also not just making a mess of herself, but she's like making a series of messes in the house. And like for the, you know, we I've certainly had days like that as a nanny or a babysitter. And I'm sure you have too, Emily, where like the kids just like cannot stop doing stuff but it was like so extreme from her like wanting to sit still and eat a cookie without spilling a crumb to making 12 messes in two and a half hours while Mrs. Prezioso was out it was just ridiculous and I'm bored even talking about it so she doesn't have OCD (laughs) (laughs) and yeah it was just really really weird and then I was I'm I'm well, curious. sorry. Yeah. The ridiculousness. I'm just like the the spread of the peanut butter in that one scene. I was like, who would do that? Even like you'd have to be so vindictive and intentional to be mm-hmm. like, I'm going to make a sandwich, a.k.a. spread peanut butter. Like Marianne describes it as being on the outside of the fridge, as like <laughs> on the counter, at, 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 like a murder scene with peanut butter. Like that is like deep <laughs> intention. <laughs> like that what? honestly that bothered me less because that seemed more like a real four-year-old trying to do something independently and failing at it like that she would smear it on the fridge like oh, accidentally I, get it I, on her hand and then trying to be close oh the my fridge god and like not wipe no it up. i i read it let me show you how i read it i read it as like jenny with like a s- evil smirk just like putting her hand in the jar <laughs> and marianne's upstairs getting band-aids for her cuts on her hand and she's just like (laughs) just like spreading it all over everything i was like that is fucking psychotic yeah i don't believe it yeah i didn't believe it either but for slightly different reasons how did you picture it ann i pictured it more like emily yeah well it's like you know she's acting out so it's just 
Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing, right? She's acting out. So she's not going to act out in these like super clean ways where she has like one personality and then not another. That's just not how four-year-olds do. They're not that effective like that. Are you saying this book isn't realistic? The other thing that is super not realistic is that the second oldest. She won't say yes or no. Yeah, yeah, of course not. The, the the other thing that is super unrealistic is that the second oldest children in a family of eight kids have no natural abilities to coordinate groups of children. And I do not believe this at all. Like I I can I'm I'm sure there are arguments and maybe Emily will will make a gender based one for why this might be the case. But they have seen four younger siblings be born and raised under them. And I just feel like they probably have some basic child effectiveness tactics under their belt because they're basically doing everything wrong, the triplets, when they're trying to start this kickball team. Like they have been on actual sports teams. So they have had like coaching and sports organization modeled for them because they're in the Little League. Mm -hmm. And they have four younger siblings that they get along with pretty well most of the time. Like why are they just like antagonizing kids and yelling at people? I mean, that makes okay, sense but to me. In my head, yeah. it makes sense. Same well, there's I'm three wondering. of them. And one of them is not, has never been established as a leader of the three of them. Mm-hmm. So it's like having three people. It's like when you have a group of friends who's indecisive and they can't decide where to go to dinner, then you end up just not eating. Not going? Not going. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, the indecisiveness thing makes sense to me. Although actually that doesn't make a ton of sense either because they always do things together and they make a lot of other group decisions. They've been mm-hmm. making group decisions together since they were in preschool yeah but within themselves among themselves yeah Mm. i don't know i just didn't think they would be as bad at it well i think that's a a writing problem Mm. right it's like the way we've been tracking you know identifiers for all the babysitters that there's Mm -hmm. like the distinction between jesse and mal is that Mm -hmm. like they're basically the same but jesse's black and mal's a redhead Mm -hmm. with freckles and glasses right Mm -hmm. and that like they haven't been given the sort of like you know creative time or been devoted the creative energy to develop as distinct people and the triplets are like that right like we get these hints sometimes that Mm -hmm. like byron Mm -hmm. is like maybe the sensitive aka Mm -hmm. gay one right Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. like okay so they're all just like one character with three heads (laughs) right and so like isn't that what identical triplets are like yes actually they're (laughs) all connected in the body you've never heard of it that would be cool um <laughs> that would be cool <laughs> and says <laughs> um but but you know like i think if if as a unit they're feeling frustrated with all the oversight and they want to assert themselves as like a little more grown up mm-hmm. and all we've gotten from them as readers is that they're like the same right it's like the difference between this is a really long shot perhaps but like I don't know if you guys read Harry Potter and then watched the movies but like yes. the Weasley twins in the movies are such like cartoon caricatures of, of twins mm-hmm. right they're like they literally speak in unison all the time Mm-hmm. And they only develop like distinct personalities when like huge spoiler alert. If you've never seen or watched it, turn it off. Like one <laughs> of them dies at the end. Right. Yeah. And now suddenly there are these like distinct characters. And I feel like the books are doing the same thing to the triplets. Right. Like they're mm-hmm. acting as a singular entity with like three bodies. And okay, but one of the pi- so- if you wanted one of the Pike triplets to die, though, right, it'd be Adam. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, we all want Byron to live, right? If if, if if this took a dark turn, I'm just saying, if it went Harry Potter and we had to lose a Pike triplet, who's most expendable? Definitely not. I'm saving Byron. Also, I'll put it differently. Which one do you want to save? <laughs> I am shocked. 
<laughs> I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> you brought up friend George Weasley. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not where I thought it was going to go. <laughs> um, Sorry. Are the Weasleys based on the Pikes? You think J.K. Rowling read the babysitter's Club? <laughs> I'm just saying. Huh. They're a family of gingers. The but Mallory's the only one who is liberal. a ginger. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's true. But they all look alike and they're all like, and, and Mallory's is just like slightly more ginger, it says. Like, but they have like reddish brown hair. And there's wow. some identical, there's some identical ones in there. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, this is canon now. That's true. I mean, per, the, the prefect, Percy, is the oldest one, right? Who's kind of the goody two-shoes. Mallory's a little bit of a Percy. No, Percy's not the oldest one. No. Oh, right. There's a There's, a there's hot two older, older one. ones. Isn't yeah. there like a... A uh, Valerie? No. <laughs> no. Charlie Jenny's is the Charlie. oldest one. Okay. Who, yeah. like, works with dragons. Yeah, he's the dragon and hunter. An, and then but there's that's another like older one. Mallory would want to work with dragons. Okay. This is... <laughs> I'm just I think saying. we're reaching. I'm just saying. I don't know. I think, it, I think it could have been interesting for them to actually, like, do a cool babysitting plot with the fact that the triplets want to be seen more as more grown up. And I think it makes a little bit of sense to your point, Esme, that that they haven't been mm-hmm. given the latitude to develop better skills with managing kids because, to Anne's point, they come as a unit. Right. Fair enough. Right. No, so they're like reasonable. often tasked with managing themselves. Right. Like they get to be their own thing. Yeah. The triplets do your thing. They figure out it among themselves, but they've never had to like figure it out with the other kids. OK. But you're not going to answer my which triplet would you kill question, which I feel like in a question. OK. <laughs> Anne? <laughs> how, how, how are you deciding this? I don't know. As we just put me on the spot. We've decided worse things on this show. Okay. But why would you kill? Have we? Why would you, why would you kill Adam? I, I just feel like Adam, I don't know. I, I mean, it, honestly, it's a toss up between Adam and Jordan, depending on the book. But they're both kind of, you know, they're not as good as Byron. <laughs> why do you like Byron? Because he's the sensitive one. And wants to kill Byron. Yeah, I'm going to kill Byron. <laughs> Hate crime. <laughs> Anne's homophobic. Okay. Uh, I had, oh, are you done? No, I had one other thing to talk about, oh, but go. it's probably yes. yours too. Just like that, it may, and maybe it segues to you. It's just that like modeling for children, especially if you do it all day, every day is kind of gross. And I'm weirded so out gross. by Andrea Prezioso getting these jobs. I tried to look for actual data on this and like the, you know, I think we have an idea as a society of the psychological impacts on child actors. And we have this whole, you know, young Hollywood arc that we mm-hmm. see so many times with people that are traumatized by the system. Tragic. Yeah, super tragic. Um, so I think we we have that idea, but there's not a lot of data, partly because it's a small sample, right, of people mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. get really, really famous as a kid. Um, I did find one re- review article by Leslie Margaret Anderson, who has a master's in education, and it's in a journal called Medical Problems of Performing Artists. But it's already 12 years old, but it's a review of the literature on the psychological well-being of child actors. And there was just some qualitative studies and it's sort of things that you would think, but it was basically a call to research of like, Mm -hmm. we need to understand particularly how being an actor and not just the actual acting, but the rigor of auditions and rejection and people saying really insensitive things to you over and over again, what what role that plays in children's self-concept and how that can really warp and change your self-esteem over time and have you looking for self-esteem from really challenging places. I also feel like something that's 12 years old exploring that is so already so fucking out of date because mm-hmm. of social media and shit. Damn. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah. So it's there's not a lot of science, and what we do know just from observation and kind of basic thought is is pretty sad and gross. And so it's interesting to me that no one in the club mentions that. Like it seems like something that like Stacy might mention, having grown up in New York and knowing people in the business, or like Christy would mention. Like everybody's just like, oh, Stacy and Claudia are both like weirdly absent in this book. Yeah, they're not very. Pr- Another reason why it's the worst book in the series. Or Christy can be really negative about stuff that's sex, right? Like nobody seems bothered by the fact that Mrs. Prezioso is also just exhausting for a baby. It's dragging her baby all over Connecticut and New York five days a week. Well, the baby's perfect. She doesn't care. Yeah. She's a perfect angel. Stacy says that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I was um, just bumped, bummed me out too. Esme wants to kill Andrea. No, I don't. I want to save her. And I want to let Byron and his, his life partner adopt her. Oh, wow. I, yeah, modeling for children was like very gross for me. I didn't have too much going on in this book, but I was, uh, the Miss Pris as a title just really. Mm. You don't love it? I don't know. I didn't love it. Should we call you that, Emily? Should that be your new nickname? I don't think it will stick. I don't (laughs) think it applies. But I was interested just in like etymological terms or like historical terms, what that word comes from. And most sort of dictionaries like call it a like a what we would think it is right like it's a word that describes a person who's obsessed with precision and it's Mm. a literal like amalgamation of sassy and prim and it comes from the american south in like the 1800s interesting which i think is interesting because I I think in this book, the way the kids use it and the way that Marianne's using it, it's sort of meant as an insult Mm -hmm. or like a a negatively toned descriptor, Mm -hmm. right? It has like a negative valence to it. But like, I'm curious whether in its original setting, it also had a negative valence, right? Because if you think about like the 1800s self, where like using descriptors of that kind, where that would be prominent, you would think that maybe being like sassy and prim would be something that would be coded socially positive mm-hmm. in the like be. like the debutante world or yeah. whatever. So it's like it's interesting to me that it comes from that and morphs into something that's like coded as kind of bad. Yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. Well, and it's also like shrill, right? Like it's a word that would never be applied mm-hmm. to a man. Like you would never right. call a man prissy. Like yes, yes. <laughs> the like the two adjectives that it's an amalgamation of are specifically describing yeah. women. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's it's also interesting that it has like roots related to precision. Mm-hmm. So it's like precision in executing the like demands of femininity, femininity or something. Yeah. But then it's also an insult. So yeah. It's like, mm, well, most feminine things are also an read insult. Read into right? that what you will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're doing it right and we hate you for it. So. Um, yeah it's pretty pretty much a bummer yeah. Um, Have yeah, either of you of... ever been called prissy in any context? <laughs> No. What? no, I don't think so. <laughs> I am I definitely not something I've been accused of, but I just it's just pretty you know, good. Never know. Yeah. I've been called shrill. Um <laughs> Shrill. Mm. Interesting. I'm I probably have, but not that yeah. I've noticed or cared about. It, it's Goals. I think there's an interesting like uh connotation to Prissy too that has to do with your the the Prissy person's reaction to other people's behavior. So mm. like that's not the way it gets used necessarily as applied to mm-hmm. Jenny. Wow. Like you mean in the, like <laughs> in this book. I was like right. what's so, her name? <laughs> in the that one girl. So in the South yes, in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Right. Like a prissy person is someone who like takes offense by other people's behavior. 
behavior that's not like in line oh, with if someone's being uncouth roles, then, then they're and, noticing and you have a reaction to it then you then are, you are the priss yeah. yeah okay that makes sense um yeah that is so, definitely not well i think having a little interesting. bit of, she does that a little in the beginning like when claire and margo were making mud pies but it's all about like, her she's yeah. not like i don't like you because you are messy mm. she's like i can't play with you because if i play with you i will be dirty and then my mother won't love me <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but she doesn't say that part yeah i mean i don't know i think it's pretty well worn at this point that's all i had <laughs> yeah fair enough save us Anne. i can't save you yeah why is that <laughs> i mean okay so i was gonna do just the thing about child actors but it's just kind of depressing so it is so depressing i just kind of veered away from that because i was fair like oh, this isn't really fun to talk about it's very sad yeah so I started thinking about what makes a good or bad Babysitter's Club book. Because mm. now that we've read many, including <laughs> the mysteries and the super specials, I guess yeah. over 100? Uh, yeah, we've read yeah. over 100. Many books that we remember, all of them. <laughs> everything about yeah we remember every single book mm-hmm. we haven't read over 100 yet but we're getting yeah, there. we're getting but close. getting close right yeah yeah so i started thinking about which i haven't thought about before what are the attributes of a good babysitter's club book and what are the bad ones so i thought this could be a fun thing for us to do together yes oh okay. and always making us play games yeah i love it <laughs> Okay, so I think one thing, and this is not, you know, a hard rule, but I do think the books that we tend to like the most, that the main plot, the A plot, usually does not have to do with babysitting. Mm, Yes. It usually has to do about the babysitter and something, a personal situation Mm -hmm. or event. With their family, with the friends, with something else. Yes. So I- Romance. Yeah. Romance. A boy. Yeah. Which makes sense because- the whole point of reading these books is getting to know the character mm-hmm. and yeah if we you like the character and you get to learn more about them then that's what makes it fun yeah so for instance you know like claudia and the phantom phone calls mm-hmm. that's tied in babysitting but really not too much uh, oh the that's a about, big mystery yeah uh the truth about stacy like boy crazy stacy jesse's secret language these are all things that help build their character mm-hmm. development right but jesse's secret language she only builds her character because of babysitting but it's still yeah, more about her but it's still more about her mm-hmm. like learning sign language i feel yeah. and then interestingly well, and it's a parallel for her own life struggles it is <laughs> it is and then inter- like we didn't like jesse and the super brat and that's very tied into babysitting mm-hmm. right yeah then i was like oh, i wonder if that's like a pattern so i was look i'm looking at the list of books and seeing if there are any other books that really that are very babysitting heavy that we didn't like we didn't love claudia and the genius of elm street that's the rosie wilder one that's a lot of right but you know i i do feel like most of the books aren't like that though yeah there's not a ton that are just like totally babysitting. right did we like christy and the walking disaster i love that book but that's about forming the crushers it's not about really about babysitting jackie jackie's just like in the title right right yeah that's the bart book that's like the we get to fall in love with the Bart book. Oh, so that's really Christy and Hot Bart. Yeah, Emily mm-hmm. didn't yeah. say hubba hubba, but her eyebrows just did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an audio medium, Emily. <laughs> Bart is hot. Right. 
Um, I think we also like books where there's a lot of character interaction where mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. together a lot and they're talking to each other and they're working on something together. And it's mm-hmm. not like this book where friendship, friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not yeah. like, I feel like a lot of books that we don't like t- tend to leave out characters that you don't like. We didn't hear about Stacy or Claudia very much in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I, I mean, we, we like, didn't really hear about Christy or Jesse yeah, either. Like, anyone. Yeah. This is a very Marianne heavy right. book. Yeah. Yeah. I think we like it when there's some sort of love interest. Yes. You like that. More eyebrow raises from Hub, Hubba Hubba. Yeah. Apparently, according to Esme. Um, and then the B plot is pretty much always babysitting related, mm-hmm. but have it, it just needs to be more integrated and also not just be about kickball or yeah i mean not boring right like it's not boring yeah like a classic like why do we love little miss stony brook and dawn so much Mm -hmm. right like because it's hilarious and you know margot pike is doing her foot thing and whatever and but Mm -hmm. they're all and they're all babysitting and encountering different problems with their charges Mm -hmm. right so you get a range of different emotional stuff like from charlotte's fear to Mm -hmm. you know whatever what's her name actually being very good like there's there's what's her name I don't remember who's good. Someone's good. That's not Sabrina Bouvier. Someone else is actually good, but I don't. Oh, is Gabby. Not Sabrina? No, Mariah oh. Perkins. Mariah Perkins. Oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. That just reminded me that I feel like we haven't seen the Perkins girls in a while. We haven't seen the Perkins girls in a while. I miss them. Yeah. Maybe that's what makes this book bad. Mm, lack of Perkins. No Perkins girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Add that to the list of what makes a good yeah. book. <laughs> More Perkins. Yeah. It's, I don't do we do we historically like Marianne books? I think historically they've not been our favorite. I mean, we definitely like Stacy books best, followed shortly by Christie and Claudia, mm-hmm. um, and that has been consistent. And then sometimes Mallory comes in as a dark horse and surprises us. Right. Um, yeah. But I think that uh, there is something there is a thing I like about Marianne books that is absent from this one. So we've talked a lot about how Marianne's interiority is sort of superior to some of the other babysitters Mm -hmm. like she does think things through and when she's like writing about her own inner monologue it's more interesting and it's well formed because Marianne is Anna Martin and so that shows up better in a book about Logan or in Mm -hmm. a book about Dawn and Christy fighting than it does in her like trying to figure out how to help a four-year-old who's jealous of her sister you know so I think if it's a boring boring plot coupled with a Marianne narration it's not Oh, yeah, because weirdly, she's not like her angst about the situation is more about doing her job than it is reflecting on herself or Mm -hmm. her own capacity Mm -hmm. to be a good babysitter or be a good sister or be a good whatever. So there's like Mm -hmm. very little of the. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like Marianne's makeover Mm -hmm. is a fun one. And and I think Mm -hmm. partly because we get to see her reflection and her frustration at people judging her and trying to put her in a box and all of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. because it's about her identity development. Right. Right. It's interesting. I'm just looking at all of Marianne's books right now. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Marianne Saves the Day is her first. Um, and then but there's... that's that's the Prezioso plot, but it's not really about that, right? It's about her standing up to her dad. Yeah, well, I'm just reading the titles because yeah. the titles oh, okay. are interesting. Yeah. Um, and then it's the mystery one, uh, Marianne's Balak mystery, mm-hmm. and then it's Marianne well, and you skipped Marianne and Logan. Logan likes Marianne. Oh right, right. Mary Logan likes Marianne is ten, mm-hmm. and then we have 
Marion and the Search for Tigger, Marion and the Great Romance, Marion and Too Many Boys. Too Many Babies. Oh, no, Too Many Boys is first. And then there's also Too Many Babies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it's Marion versus Logan. There, And then it's Marion Mrs. Logan. And then Ooh, it's, it's Logan occupies yeah, a lot of title space in Marianne books. Then it's Marianne's makeover, Made Marianne. <sighs> It's just interesting when you start to read it. I know that they're not exclusively just the title, but it's like a lot of it has to do with Logan or babies or like, Mm -hmm. you know. Being a maid. Being a maid. (laughs) Yeah. But even that one was better. That's the one where she's helping the old lady that broke her hip, right? Or Mm -hmm. something like because that right and there she's learning about her own boundaries right like how right. to be assertive mm-hmm. and like state her needs and say when she's be like it's it's the lesson she teaches Mallory in this book kind of yes yes or that all the girls do right like yeah. you're doing a lot of work that your parents are saying technically you're too tired for right. and you're not getting paid for it and yeah. like this is a this is an anti-work book this is an anti-work book for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like both because it because it ate, like scares us about the prospect of uh, like children children working mm-hmm. and it Mallory is being overworked by her. I think I've talked myself into liking it. Because <laughs> the Pikes are union busters in this book and you're like, going to try to come after them. Do you have any other ideas about what makes a good or bad Baby Sisters Club book? Mm. Okay, I'm curious about what you guys think or how we would map this phenomena on the like good bad scale. So we've been talking a lot about how the A and B plots correspond to each other, if at all. Do we mm-hmm. think that there is like a relationship between A and B that makes it like better or worse? Or is the like relationship between A and B plot a different scale than like it's whether the book is good or yeah. bad? Yeah. I, what I don't like is when they're like really too obviously didactic about it. Like when mm-hmm. they draw the line and like come in with a highlighter and they're like, see, this child learned this. And now I, as the babysitter, also have to learn this same thing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that makes it worse because it just like it pulls back the curtain. It makes it clunkier than it needs to be. So I prefer either they're like organically related, like in Little Miss Stoney Or Brooklyn not Dawn, at all. Or they're not at all. And it's fucking random babysitting hilarity. Like the goat. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> And I mean, I think it's I don't know. I don't I, I honestly don't care when they kind of tie together or not. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think it matters. And I think that's what makes it feel like weird when they try to make it tie together. Mm. It's a little mm-hmm. bit too forced. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It, it can just be two separate things. Right. And that's OK. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. OK. And I think you'd actually probably get better plot lines if you didn't try to mm-hmm. tie them together. Yeah. Like Elvira the goat. Like Elvira okay. the goat. So an overly wrought connection between A plot and B. <laughs> B plot makes a bad babysitter's club book. Yes. Yeah. I think, I so. think so. Yeah. Great. The the other thing that I really like, but this isn't like a plot, but I think just having one scene where all the babysitters are together doing something fun, whether it makes a good book. Yeah. Whether it's mauling or a pizza party or even they're just like laying on the grass, having a conversation and Claudia pulls a random snack out of her bag. Like some time where they're not just at a meeting talking business, but they're like enjoying each other's company. Right. Friendship. Mm -hmm. Friendship. More friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I don't know if I said this before, but when there's like an event in the book. Oh, yes. Mm. When something happens. Yeah. Or like it's like, you know. 
I feel like that's also something with teen movies. There's always mm-hmm. like the homecoming dance or mm-hmm. there's the big football Graduation. game or the, or the yeah, talent the show. There's always like something, a scene in a teen movie that's like that. And I like it when the babysitters have something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Oh, nice job, Anne. Good taxonomizing. Is that what it's called? I don't know. I just made it. <laughs> You did not make up taxonomy. <laughs> First of all, should it be a verb? I don't think it's anyway. How could it not be a okay? I'm not getting into this right now. (laughs) Did we even get any candy? Um, there was some food, there was potato chips, pretzels, and Claudia was looking for a box of Malamars, but I don't think she found them. Oh, right. Mm. Yes. Mm -hmm. At the end, I was like, oh, good. Malamars have come back. Yeah. Our group chat has been called I Want a Malamar for a very long time. Now it's going to be called Esme Wants to Kill. Jordan? Yeah. Kill <laughs> or is it Adam. Adam? Or it's kill Adam. She said either, really. So. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, not a lot of tallies. Two sensitives, one bossy, one sophisticated. So at least they didn't remark on Claudia's almond eyes or her exotic features. That's true. Yeah. And Still the worst book the in the dodgy one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdest line. There weren't a lot of funny lines. I okay, but to Ezri's point that like Jenny is unbelievable as a four year old, I thought everything she said was weird, but it was like not weird enough to be funny or interesting as like a episode title. So I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what to do with the level of weirdness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So and like even the triplets, no, because I was like, everything she says is weird. But even the triplets, like, I don't know. There's no quintessential, like, Pike weird lines. There's no, no like, the, 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 there's, like, Claire that says flutterby instead of butterfly. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's, but that's so that that. weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Past that. I did highlight one thing. Yeah. Okay. It's when I think Marianne is talking with the babysitters about the Jenny issue. And she says... She thinks she's a flop at age four. And I just thought a flop at age four was good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All I had was I thought the whole interaction when Jenny's trying to audition for the Carburgers department store with Mrs. Prezioso was pretty funny. And when she said, you're supposed to be happy, remember? Carburgers makes you happy. So I wrote down Carburgers makes you happy because I did. That is dark. Yeah, it's dark. God. Okay. So just to be clear, our two options are a flop at four or car burgers makes you happy. Yes, Emily. Dude, fuck this book. (laughs) (laughs) Which one do you want to pick? I hate them both. They're so depressing. Yep. Wait, I also Um, had um, a peanut butter tornado, which is less... Okay, I if I have to pick between those three <laughs> options, I pick a peanut butter tornado. <laughs> Great, done. Okay, even though that's basically murder in Emily's eyes. It was just so intentional, it seemed. <laughs> Premeditation was definitely on board. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, like a mess in the first degree. Emily, remember, Carburgers makes you happy. And don't say that to me. <laughs> Wow. Um, should we should we pizza toast to car burgers? <laughs> sure. How happy it makes you. Esme, it makes you happy. Do you like that? Well, Esme wants the pizza toast to killing Adam and Jordan, but Yeah. Let's pizza toast to FMK the bike triplets. <laughs> You just took it to a worse place. I only wanted to murder them. And I only asked you to murder one. I guess you're still asking me to murder one. You're just also 
<laughs> are we stipulating that they're older now? They're adults. They're like they're middle. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. They're like okay. thirty-eight now. If we're gonna do that, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. we're they're right old. in between our ages. <laughs> yeah, they're Micah's age. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Hands husband's <laughs> directly between. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, also Matt's age. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, so what are you gonna do? I mean, I don't know. Mary Byron, fuck Adam and kill Jordan. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. I might do the same. And. <laughs> Anne has to kill Byron. She already yeah, said. I have to kill Byron. Uh, they're 38. <laughs> Let me think about this. Wait, this is not what a pizza toast is. <laughs> to car burgers. Yeah, I guess car burgers. Okay. A pizza toast to car burgers. Car burgers makes me happy. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. And are you are you killing Jordan or or no, you're killing Byron. Are you marrying Jordan or Adam? Just tell us. What are okay, so what are their character attributes again? Oh my god. One's name is Adam and <laughs> one's name is Jordan. That's their personality. So you're killing them based on not knowing their personality. You know yeah, nothing about triplets. them. They have the same personality. Okay. I you guess you chose your kill. I just want to know who you're gonna marry. Who am I killing? You said Byron. Byron. Oh, I'm killing Byron. Um I guess, ooh, I feel like I don't like the name Adam or Jordan, really. <laughs> Kill them both. Done. All three of them? <laughs> yeah, all oh dead. Oh, my God. All right, I'm cutting this off. This episode of Stuck in Study Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both the local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash stuck in Stony Brook. Lastly, if you're feeling doubly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friend the girl could ask for.